Hi, everyone. Welcome to Overheard, where adventure meets culture. I'm your host, Joelle Cosmas. And for those of you who are new here, we're always listening. And we like to dive deeper into things we hear because we think it's interesting. And we hope you will, too. So today we're talking about something we overheard, which was a effing Slack channel. Can I say that? Should I say that? No, effing. Effing Slack channel. Um, you might think that that might be something that gets dropped every day, but this was actually in relation to something a little bit uh, more specific, which is a deep dive into how community is business. Um, and we're really excited to chat about this. I've got Brentos and I've got Rick here. Um, guys, say hello. Hello. Hey, hey, people. It's It's good to be here. Good to be on another episode. It's good to be with Ricky. I'm not, haven't done it too many of these with you so it's it's good to have a uh, a new person in the room great to be in person with everyone this is uh the last one we did was half virtual half in person so um excited to bring it back together no comments about doing it with brentos but it's okay so we know you love him too i've got nothing but love for <laughs> brentos. He, know, he knows that you know that i hope all our listeners know that <laughs> well i'm excited to have you two together because like Rick and Brent has both mentioned it's been a while since you've both been on the mics with me. Um, this came up because recently some of you may have heard the online sneaker community startup Soul Savvy raised a uh, 12.5 million Series A to give fans a curated place to navigate the world of shoes. So this is why this deep dive in how community is business kind of came to light um, and why what we overheard came up because I forget who it was. It was just like a fucking Slack channel? Like, Yes, that's what happened, and we're here to talk about it. Uh, Brentus, I'm going to start with you. As our resident shoe designer, for those of you who don't know, that's Brentus's side hustle. He likes to design shoes. Uh, let's start with you on the topic of Soul Savvy. In their press release after the raise, one of their co-founders said they want their company to lead to, quote-unquote, a world where the narrative in sneakers will no longer be about commodities, asset classes, and reselling, and instead focusing on the people who love sneakers and make the culture so special, end quote. So what does that mean for this brand in a space that's all about drops? And how does community play a part in that? Well, you know, I mean, I think, you know, putting some aspiration um, into that, um, which I respect, uh, the idea that the community is is bigger than um, these drops. But, you know, in the end, you know, people are interested in this brand because of the drops. I kind of equate it to, you know, drops equals drips plus desirability, right? Like drips of content around when the drops are happening so that I can um, figure out how to beat the bots and get the best sneakers, right? So, um, you know, I think that's going to be core to the brand as they as they build that out. But as that relates to um, the future community, the sneaker community is changing. It's not all about necessarily the big players anymore you've got um new shoe startups that are doing sneaker like um customs that are selling for more than the nikes and the jordans out there so um it's interesting how they're building this new world of trading secrets around um this the, the sneaker world do drops exist without community yeah i think it can i mean i think it gets it gets uh interesting because you have cult brands which are brands that desire that are highly desirable because few people know about them um, and the people that are hip know about them so people um, want that more I mean 
I guess it doesn't have to be hip, but there, you know, like you think of even brands like In and Out, where um, you know uh, there's just a fan, rabid fan base. Um, I wouldn't call that community, right? I would just call that a cult brand, which I think is maybe slightly different. So you have folks like in the sneaker community who are rabid around these these brands. Um, you, but um, is the brand in charge of that community, or is it just a cultural um, phenomenon around sneakers, right? So, uh, you know, I think there's a, a little bit of a difference between um, a cult brand and community. Rick, what do you think this means, like, for the platforms that Soul Savvy and other brands are built on, like Slack or Pinterest? I will answer that question after I tell the world that I very much hope this brand continues to thrive, Soul Savvy and retains a very high spot on our anti-portfolio at Listen because we had the, the privilege of meeting the founders <laughs> before their seed round. Uh, Jeff, who with Brentos are our resident sneakerheads, uh, Jeff was talking about how powerful this community is if you have secondary marketplaces and Goat and StockX selling shoes and vintage shoes. Why wouldn't there be a community of people who are sharing their passion, having conversations about shoes and sneakers and brands, um, waiting for the drops. Why, why wouldn't that exist? And I'll give myself the blame. I'll take the blame here. I think I shot it down. Um, and I think, I think I said it. It's a effing Slack community. What do they actually own? And what they actually own is not the fact that they're built on Slack. Slack is just the rails in the setup. It's, it's their website. It's their platform. What they own is the attention of all of these wonderful, all, all these very passionate sneakerheads. And when you bring them all together, that does something really powerful. It creates, I think, one of the definitions of a platform is when the, the, the value of the platform, of all the contributions on the platform is greater than the value of the platform itself. And in this case, all of these people and their fanaticism and their love and passion for the product is much greater than the rails of Slack or the, the, the person who's starting the company. So I think they've nailed it. And, I, and, and I'll answer your question in a second, but I want everyone to know that we pass in this deal. <laughs> Shouldn't have done it. I hope if Dijon's listening that uh, he hears that we got it wrong and we're wishing him nothing but the mess. But as it relates to that question, um, now I don't think anyone cares when an e-commerce store is built on Shopify anymore. Could Shopify turn off a website? Maybe, but they're, they're not going to. Could If a brand is built on Slack, you could worry about oh, what's the defensibility there? What happens if Slack tries to copy you and they la- launch their own channel? Slack's not in the business of starting channels. They're in the business of letting other people start channels. We've seen lots of businesses built off the backs of Pinterest. You know, Glossier was be- built on the back of a Facebook private group and an Instagram page. So I think it's time we, we stop worrying about what the behemoths are going to do with their platforms. They want you to create value on their platforms. And I don't think it's a, a risk anymore. I think it's almost, you know, my own admission here is that it's lazy to say, oh, it's just a Slack channel. No, it's way more powerful than a Slack channel. I really appreciate you owning up to what you went through during that difficult time. And yeah, I got it wrong. You know, the, the first step is admitting that you've got that problem and you did that. So thank you. <laughs> Brentos can take over head of investments that listen from now on. <laughs> well, I feel like social media has come such a long way and for something that started as a way for you to meet people it's certainly like doing a lot more than that today there's so many different avenues that social can take you and in my mind they've all they started with community went to more of like a interaction like a transaction product base and now they're kind of circling back to like the community love and aspect of it but that's that's imo 
but I would love to hear what you guys think. I think we need a glossary. I think everyone throws out the words community, destination, social network, social media, platform. I don't think we all, I think we probably should all agree on what all of those mean. Uh, I think the best, let's, let's use, let's use a, a community for a moment. I think the best communities are the one where they arrive to talk about the original intent. So they came to talk about, you know, your Facebook wall or your profile or your status updates on Twitter. And then they stay to talk to each other. And the underlying, it's up to the underlying company to decide whether they want to be a utility, where they're going to facilitate the conversations and make sure they can be rich and engaging, or if they want to have a central role in the conversation. And I think Instagram, Facebook, Twitter are utilities. I don't think their brand matters as much. I think they're just hoping that people continue to live on their platforms, and they've done obviously an excellent job. They, they own the space. Then you look at brands like a Glossier, which sells a bunch of products, uh, beauty products, and they work on other people's utilities. They, they have communities on Facebook and Instagram and um, I imagine in other channels. But it's very much the Glossier community on top of the Facebook Rails. So when you're on a Glossier Instagram page and people are tagging each other and having conversations about beauty and which products and what works with what complexion, they've taken over and people are now interacting with one another. So I think they've taken to the next level, a brand like Glossier in which the people on the community came for glacé and now they're having a conversation about skincare and beauty and hair types and, and so on and so forth. So I think that's like the upper echelon of, of, of a great community. Yeah, and I'll just double down. I mean, I think you ex- exactly hit the nail on the head in regard to just because you have followers that doesn't mean you have a community. Um, and people called social networks communities because you could see who was following that brand. Um, but... You know, you don't always need a relationship with your toothbrush or, or your toilet paper. But yeah, as Rick was saying, when, when folks are jumping in and adding to that conversation and, and really kind of bringing uh, to life um, content beyond what the brand creates, that's really when I think the community, uh, you, you start to see a community build. And the nice thing about something like this Slack idea um, for the sneaker community was, you know, it felt more bespoke. It feels more one-on-one. It feels more exclusive than just following or or making a comment on a social media post. So I love the idea that um, Reddit or Depop or some of these other like social media-ish sites um, can um, allow fans to get together, communities, uh, members to participate, and really start to craft a narrative around their passion of of why they dig a brand or product um, or focus. I feel like some of the best communities are born out of passion groups, like sneakers being one of them for sure. Like to your point about Glossier, like, yeah, like there are people that are very passionate about beauty and makeup and routine things that they can make their own and personalize. And beauty is a big part of that. No one has the same beauty routine. Every single person has their own beauty routine. There's like, not even from a product perspective, but like, do you put this on before this? Or do you put your mascara before you put on your, like, and I feel like those type of things, the sum of all the different personalizations into one conversation makes a community so ripe. I feel like that the a lot of these platforms, what they've done with these communities is just kind of given them a place to be able to show off like, oh, here's my input into this. Who wants to join me? Who wants to talk about it? And it opens up a space for conversation. What's incredibly powerful is when a brand, it's a delicate balance, right? It's how can they be central to the community, but not in the way of the community. Yeah. So you think about 
CrossFit, which no one actually owned CrossFit as a bunch of different people running CrossFit, but even a SoulCycle or, or maybe even a Nike, really powerful brand doing different things, but all in fitness. Nike's got the biggest following in the world, but they're not facilitating conversation. They're not mm-hmm. central to the conversation. I imagine there's thousands of Facebook private groups talking about Nike products, yeah. Nike, Nike worship. Yeah. Um, SoulCycle, incredible experience. A lot of fan. imagine they had a great private groups, but they weren't central to the conversation as, as a, you know, a Peloton. Peloton built their business for their community. You go on Peloton's Facebook group, they have 5 million people who are on their Facebook group. Peloton will jump in and ask questions from time to time and relay information, but the rest of the 95% of the time, it's individuals who are Peloton users having conversation about their fitness, about their nutrition, about their products, about their apparel, about everything in life. And Peloton's facilitating that, but not not getting too too in the, in the weeds on it. And they've done such a great job that I don't think SoulCycle did it's more offline. I don't think mm-hmm. um, CrossFit did as more offline. And, and Nike has been too far removed from the end, end customer, from from what I understand. So Peloton has built like the perfect balance of we're going to build a community, and we're going to let the community hang out with each other, and when we need to, we'll jump in from time to time. I think what also Peloton did that's really interesting. The It'll be interesting to see the other brands try and do it too. And there, I'm sure there are brands that do it, but they have community leaders. Like all of their instructors are community leaders and they all have their own community within the Peloton community. Like there's literally, you call, you know, the, the Dan Morin followers are the Danimals. Like, like they have their own communities in which they follow each of these instructors and our communities within communities. And I think having community leaders how many times am I going to say the word community in this episode? Having community leaders is a really interesting thing to think about when it comes to how do you keep the conversation going when maybe a brand just needs to like help power it, but bring people in to help continue the conversation within the community. I think the gasoline on the fire is great content around that community. Yeah. Right. So that you're bringing in, um, you're bringing in the voice of the people, but you're also stoking that with uh, premium content or um, just something that r- really everyone gets because you're monitoring how the community is talking and you're building that content off of the back of that. So that really, you know, makes you a Lulu or a Peloton or any of those, right? Like um, around, especially around like something like fitness, right? Like building content around that um, that's reactive to the group. I think content's a fascinating one because content can be a destination where people are going to get user-generated content and learn, or it can be a conversation. So two examples. One would be Little Spoon, which makes baby food. They have a platform called Is This Normal, which you know, you, you've just had children, parents have really hard questions that they might feel guilt or shame or judgment around, like, why don't I have a sexual drive after having children? Or should my baby be making this noise? Or why isn't my baby smiling? And they have incredible content on this platform that has nothing to do with baby food centered on parenting. So it's a destination. People go there to read the content, ask questions. And I don't know if they're hanging out with each other, but they're definitely hanging out with the brand. So when they're thinking about baby food, they come back and and shop little stuff. More like a forum. More of a forum. Yep. And then you have a Slumberkins, which is, you know, yes, we get some of our deals wrong, but we also get some of our deals right. And that would be Slumberkins. And Slumberkins has 20,000 plus people on a Facebook group where they obviously facilitate uh, conversation and drop products. But 95% of the time, it's parents, moms, having conversations about parenting. Um, what do I do in this situation? How do you talk to a, a child about, about grief or loneliness or, or uh, bullying? Um, and they, Slumberkins, by putting that group together, has allowed for, for 
people to have a dialogue and, and build a community. So I think content can become a destination or it can become a reason to drive conversation. Well, before we get to the rest of the questions, we're going to take a quick little break. We'll be right back. When it comes to buying furniture, it's hard not to find the whole process overwhelming. Should you get the chair? Should you get the couch? Should you get the chair that looks like a couch? You find yourself trying to copy some catalog home, but what if you felt confident cultivating your own design aesthetic? That's why Interior Divine aims to make the furniture customizing and shopping experience more enjoyable. To avoid the orgy of options and opinions, ID lets you order swatches and work through your options before purchasing it online. Interior Divine inspires self-expression and allows you to get comfortable on your own terms. Check out interiordefined.com and start personalizing your life. Hey everybody, we are back. Before the break, we talked a little bit about what platforms can do for communities, what communities do for platforms. We talked a lot about how places like Reddit and TikTok have changed the idea of community. Lots of fun things. And we're going to dive right back in. But I think one thing that would be fun to think about, you know, after a year and a half of being in quarantine, coming out of that hole, what are some ways we've seen community change and brands show up for their communities? There's definitely been a shift. What have you guys seen? And like, how has anything been really noticeable to you? Yeah, I mean, I, I'll just say it feels like um, participation is more rewarded now. Facebook Live groups, you know, Twitch made a big uh, push and, you know, monetizing their subscribers and things like that. But being able to reward high participation with live events, I think, is is huge because we're all stuck, you know, inside and being able to use that as entertainment was a plus for me as a consumer, but also uh, for the brand to have that. 90 minutes with me or that 30 minutes with me, you know, talking about things that are um, in their, you know, authority to talk about. Um, We always talk about editorial authority, uh, what is the content around the brand um, beyond their products. And I think, you know, you really saw that take off during the pandemic. And again, it's driven by not influencers, but like the normal person just showing up to to an event. I think that was a, a huge step forward. Yeah, I think those words show up versus show off. I think it's coming up in every every. That's, for- that's a that's a Rick Desai original. All right, TM that. Yeah, let's that is that. that is a Rick Desai original. I think well, one hot take. I'm I'm a big fan of Facebook, no matter what anyone says about them. Because you? because no. because of Facebook, you have <laughs> things like Facebook groups that allow for conversations. A lot of these businesses that we reference don't exist without the platforms that they've created. And of course, the TikToks, the 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 Reddits, all of them, and the, they all have different purposes, but. They facilitate a lot of these conversations. And what we've seen on these channels is that when you show off, when you're using studio content, when you're using really scripted advertisements, consumers previously loved them because the companies looked professional and had an authority. People trusted them. Fast forward to today, people don't want that anymore. They want something that looks authentic, native, shot from an iPhone. Companies and their employees that their founders are participating in they want to be part of the story. They don't want to be 
led by the brands. They want to be consumer-led. And I think that that's a fascinating shift from just a couple years ago. You're getting rewarded for organic and native and natural content, if that's the right word, versus like very highly scripted and studio content. I think that's what's happened in the last year and a half. People want to know if it's real or not, if it's genuine. Yeah, I think it, I mean, it dovetails with the creator economy and, and things that we've talked about in the past. Do it live and, and don't worry about it. And, you know, have your message out in the world is, is more important than a big budget and shooting the best video. Well, that being said, does every brand need to have a community? I, th- I think if it doesn't feel organic or authentic, no. There's a lot of companies who fake the community, and that's just a waste of time. And they fake it in two ways. One is they bring a bunch of people to the platform that don't want to have any engagement, and it's silent, and it's awkward, and it's lonely. Or two, they think that they should go build their own community, like actually build the rails. Like, we don't want to rely on Facebook. We don't want to rely on Slack or Pinterest or Instagram or TikTok. We're going to go build our own community. And they spend hundreds of thousands of dollars building the technology stack to go build their own community because their biggest fear is we can't rely on Facebook. Well, we're going to rely on Facebook and we're going to rely on Google and we're going to rely on Slack and all these brands are going to continue doing so. Um, so I do think there's, there's an inauthenticity about faking it and building it. Just go do it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Listen's point of view this all comes back to our glossary, right? Like, what is a brand? Um, I think there's big companies that don't need communities. Um, you know, you might have a big brand like um, a Kleenex or, a, you know, um, any number of legacy mm-hmm. uh, one-off products. Mm-hmm. They'd have a big, big brand, big company, but what is... The- Do you not think, though, that there's a Kleenex group that, that exists somewhere in the world? I'm, I'm sure there is, but you know, <laughs> fan clubs. To your point, what you were saying earlier in the episode. Do I do I really need a relationship with my deodorant mm-hmm. beyond knowing that it works? Unless that relationship is a bigger perspective and becomes a product pipeline. That then that's when a community becomes more important. I think because it allows folks to plug in and and kind of co-create with the brand and and kind of you know make sure that uh, the products that they bring forward are on point and that sort of thing. So, you know, I think as we think about brands at Listen, it's content, community, and commerce, right? Like we want those three Mm -hmm. things to be popping off. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of one-off products that come our way that maybe we pass on because we think it's just kind of a one-off product and could be a big business, but is it really going to impact culture? Is it really going to allow consumers to participate beyond just buying the product? And that's, that's core to our investment thesis, I think. And, and I think, you know, makes me biased on if, if a brand needs community, I would say in order to, to be big and, and change the world. Yes. It's also, I love that. It's also way more cost effective. It's putting it, the math on it. If you have a company... Yes, Rick, please put the math on it. If you have a product that someone buys, and then you have to go advertise them advertise them to get them to come back, that's really expensive, okay? What we love, as Brent just said, brands that allow consumers to engage with them even when they're not shopping them. So they come back in, watch their TikToks, or read their content, or hang out with them. That's wonderful and a huge part of the brands we want to build and back, back and build. But imagine if they don't have to do the work on building the content because their community is doing the work for them. So you, you engage with the product, engage with the company, buy their product, and then you always want to hang out with that brand because there's so many tens of thousands or millions of people that you want to hang out with and learn from and spend time with. Now you've won. The consumer's never going to go anywhere. They want to be part of your, of your brand, of your community. And that, as long as the brand stays on brand and, and loyal and authentic, they're going to have to spend that much money on, on re-engagement and reactivation. That's, I think, a good bucket where like 
brands like Soul Savvy and Glossier fall under, right? Brands that just like you don't really need to do much. Your your content is your UGC, right? Like it's what people are putting out there in the world. I mean, it's interesting. It's what people like try to do with Patreon and some of these other backer platforms um, to get investment in their idea or their content, OnlyFans, all of that, all of those platforms, right, um, that are trying to monetize content. It's just interesting when somebody like Soul Savvy comes along and it's, you know, so desired that you will pay to be a part of that community and it doesn't feel forced. So it's, you know, special in, in some of those ways. I think with Soul Savvy, what's so cool is, I think anyone can create a Slack channel, right? We, we will often preach, like, why, not, why build it? Just go go launch on Slack, create a private group. But they've created such an aspirational value of that where the drops. They've replicated the waiting in line for Supremes, you know, around the block in New York City, where you're like, I will pay to get a shortcut in line to make sure that I'm, I have the best chance to get a drop or get a new pair of Nikes. And that's so important when you're building these channels. Like, what, what is the aspirational value of being part of this group? What, what do I aspire to be like? In, in this case, it's being a sneakerhead. I think if that's missing, going back to your point of, does everyone need a community? There's nothing as aspirational there, some, nothing, that, nothing aspirational there. I think it's less enticing to join the community. What am I getting out of it? So I think everything has to be something self-serving. There's got to be some sort of personal motivation on, on why you want to spend time there and commit your energy. Yeah, I think that what you guys were saying earlier with what's content versus what's community like what's bringing people in and what's having them stay like in a lot of the stuff that we've talked about in the past and a lot of our previous episodes like you could argue that clubhouse is just a bunch of micro communities in one community because you join those groups and those clubs because you belong to those communities they did a good job of bringing people to a space where they are a part of a community and can have those similar conversations with people that are like them think that there's those examples that we've just been talking about are are great places that are doing that for people to brentos's point about the the creator economy that is exactly that like only fans or, or some of these others they have built brands instead of building utilities so rather than being on facebook or instagram which i believe is a utility that allows people to have their own communities only fans is very specifically saying here is who we stand for here's who should join us and people have taken great liberty in what that means but people are attracted to that platform and now you're seeing a lot of people trying to unbundle only fans incredibly so i think they've done a great job of 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 setting the stage of who they are and what kind of talent they want on their platform. But the creator economy, or the early innings of rather than being a company that's hosting a community, people are going to host communities, uh, which pre-digital is what the world was, right? You would you'd be attracted to people. So, so I do think that's going to be a really fascinating shift in this is where you know, we talk about all the time. People are brands and the communities are going to be, are, are going to start building around human-centered brands or humans as brands. Yeah, there's and there's a lot of cherry, like specific if you're thinking of humans as brands, like you got to go into big searches and, and go into great detail to find those individuals that are ripe for that collaboration and they can be impactful and they have business growth, not only from a short-term perspective, but from a long-term perspective. And Supreme is actually a very good, that you mentioned earlier, is a great example of someone that has community, just specifically in the sneakerhead. Their collaboration is great. They, they lean into demand. Like that's just how they're constantly selling product. I mean, there's that exclusivity play that's working for sneaker drops. If yep. if sneakers weren't exclusive, then we wouldn't be talking about it. Totally. You know, so it's it's interesting when we talk about the creator economy creating exclusive content that can only be found from that one maker. You know, I think that's really something that came out of the pandemic as well. Is we'll have to look back and see how much gas that threw on the fire um, in regard to launching new communities. I think the sense of belonging, I think exclusivity is absolutely, that's the right word, especially with Soul Savvy. Um, but also a sense of belonging. 
You know, I think mm-hmm. I think if we look back in time and culturally being taken down, but the country, the idea of a country club, right, being part of a community of unfortunately like-minded people at the time when country clubs were coming up. But today is how do you go find your people online? How do you go find people you want to hang out with? How do you go find people who can make you better? How do you go find people that you aspire to be like or, you know, you feel like, oh, yeah, I'm part of this group exclusivity. I think that sense of belonging is, is really important. And that's going to continue to drive more and more digital communities because I can be in a community with anyone in the world at any time, like Clubhouse. Um, mm-hmm. I think the belonging is going to be really important. And the brands or the humans that create, that cultivate that sense of belonging are, gonna, are the ones who I think ultimately will win. Yeah. So kind of getting specific about some of our brands, some of our portfolio companies have amazing communities like Miss Grass, Sketchco, Dame, we talked about Slumberkins. What are the, what are some of the things that they're doing to help build that? And like, how does community play just a really big part in their business? You know, I think it's the ultimate beta, right? Like having an audience that you can tap into that, you know, are devoted followers and will call BS on you um, when when something's not quite on brand, even though, you know, they don't, I mean, it's in their gut, what is on brand for Dame or what is on brand for Slumberkins. So, you know, I think it's interesting when you leverage that as the ultimate beta group to test ideas, to see what reactions are, you know, I think they'll help you grow if you leverage some of their insights and, you know, allow you to fail faster when it comes to some new ideas that you might be testing for content or product development. Um, that sort of thing. We definitely have seen, you know, that co-creation model work for Slumberkins as well as Dame Labs and and most recently with Miss Grass launching the THC line based off of a lot mm-hmm. of the a lot of the comments around mm-hmm. um, the types of terpenes and strains that ladies are are looking for. And the sheer demand for, hey, when are you guys going to come out with THC? Was there too, and they they listen to their community. They're like, well, here we go, let's do it. I think with all of those examples. The founders and the communities were always simpatico. Like they were always aligned. Yeah. <clears throat> they were they built Ross built Ketchko with his subscribers, with his customers in mind. When he launched Carl's, the e commerce platform that they power, he trialed it to Brentus's point, he trialed it with a handful of customers first. Every time Dame launches a new vibe, they give it to a hundred customers and say, Do you like this? Their customers don't like it. You know, they're not making it. Slumberkins, they they launch products first to their Facebook groups. And oftentimes it doesn't even make it out of the channel, right? That they get they're sold out, so they know okay this worked. But there's some authenticity there. Uh, I think a lot of other brands try to fake it, and we, we've seen that with some of our other portfolio companies where they try to create the community, but it's not authentic. There's no sense of belonging. There's nothing exclusive about it, and and you know it's dead on arrival. Yeah, and they've learned from that, right? And they know like okay, we just the product's great. We don't need to build a community around it. I think it's it's interesting in the early stages. You brought up Catchco finding a different point of view on a topic that's been overdone or, or like mm-hmm. is, is, is huge in the world. But this fresh perspective, finding that, you know, I think is what these communities en- enabled these companies to do, but then also raise money off of that, right? You put that in your pitch deck that we have this passionate base of folks and you measure that against other communities and you see this growing trend. And it's just super interesting when you start to measure your brand success by the, the number of backers that are are interacting with you on a daily basis beyond your product. Yeah, so if we were going to play fill in the blank, I think the, the, the word... I think there's a missing word. It's not followers. It's not members. It's not subscribers. It's not backers, supporters. There's a word of people who follow your brand, engage with your brand, or participating in the brand, have an expectation 
of the brand, consumers of the brand. I feel like there's a word that's missing in, in social media glossary that explains someone who is. I, I like to call them loyalists. I think loyalists is just a, is a good way to describe those people because they're defending you if people aren't agreeing with something. They're, but they're also the first to call you out if you're not doing something right. And they trust you to make the right decision. They trust you. We're yep. looking for communities of, loyal, communities of loyalists. I love that. Yeah. What are, you, what are some of the brands that, where you guys are a part of their community? Do you have any that you're just like, yep, that's, I'm, I'm there. I'm a believer. I'm a loyalist. I will defend this brand forever and ever. Yeah, I mean, I, th- you know, I think that there's a number of smaller brands that I'm really interested in. I'm, you know, I always talk about Mars Brewing as a, a huge community activity. You know, that, that community is really about nourishing the community, whether it be through food and drink, uh, to art, to politics, to a public radio station, right? They have all of these sort of endeavors happening um, around um, Chicago. And so, you know, I think that that's an example of a more grassroots type of um, community that has digital touch points as well as um, physical. So, so I think that that obviously helps, you know, in regard to uh, building, building out your community. Yeah, we should just make you a t-shirt that says, I'm a Mars Brewing loyalist, because I feel like you live and breathe and are with that brand every step of the way. You know, additionally, I would also just include things like Adobe or things like Visco, um, yeah. the, the, the photography platform. Uh, I was going to bring up Visco and Artifact. Those are two community-driven brands, in my opinion, that I'm a part of. I think, you know, it centers around passion groups. Um, mm-hmm. And so if I can easily kind of say I'm, this is it kind of helps define my character, I think people are looking for that. How do I define my personal brand by the affiliates that I, you know, are associated with? And, and I think that's, that's a huge part of how I look at it. At one point, this is a quick story for the listeners. At one point here at the office um, on our windows, we listed out the brands that represented us. We felt like it represented us and made up our personal brand. And now thinking back on those lists that we made under each of us, like a lot of them were community-focused brands that we were like, oh, yeah, that's because I, I'm a part of their community. I'm actually, Rick, what about I'm you? I'm actually in the market for a new community. So <laughs> if any one of our listeners have any suggestions, um, I'm down. I... I uh, What's your Twitter handle? Rick Desai. Oh, yeah. Original. We need to rebrand that too. Uh, <laughs> going to your exercise on what brands match up personalities. Southwest does not have a community by any means, but they treat all of us as if we're all you know, freaking flyers or whatever. We're all family. Yeah, they treat everyone. You get on the phone with them, they treat you like you are whatever United or, or Delta's premium platform i don't i don't use them so i don't know the names of them they make you feel like that at all times and that's a sense of a belonging the sense of treatment uh that uh, it's authentic that i I think is makes you rabid fans of the brand like if anyone tries to say my sister will always make fun of that brand it's like a cattle call uh, uh, when they're trying to get everyone bored i'm like no it's just more efficient anyway so i would say southwest but i'm looking for great brands i mean of course i i a lot aspiration to artifact uprising i think that the way they don't make you feel like you're shopping for photo books they make you feel like you're shopping for memories to, yeah memorialize a wonderful yeah. experience like ah oh, yeah that was an awesome trip i should document it just yeah. feel, feel good about the memories and the, the experiences and as a parent I, i'm always wanting to to, to to be part of that like ah, i want to make sure i capture these memories and, and make sure they they become you know something i have some hard good that i have for them I think it's I think is more rewarding to participate in a brand to become part of that community than it is to just doom scroll all the time. You know, I would say that like how do you participate more in some of the communities that 
you may be on the fringes of and how might that minimize your time online but also give you more reward for your participation in in some of these groups i can always count on catchco i don't fish we're investors in a fishing brand. I don't think any of us actively fish, but I can count on them when I come across them on their Instagram or on their stories to always make me smile. They do such a great job of bringing everyday culture into fishing. And I'm like, ah, relief, smile. It's therapeutic following that brand. Like I rely, I guess I'm realizing now, I rely on them to give me a smile every day. Well, then you're a part of their community, whether you interact with that product or not. You're smiling. Yeah. Well, maybe I'm part of Mars, too, because I smile when Brento smiles, and Brento drinks a lot of Mars. You're part of the Brentos community, yeah. then. Thanks for part of the Brentos community. Loyal to Brentos. Join OnlyFans, Brentos. <laughs> well, this was a great conversation. Did we have any last words about community before I ask you the question of the hour? No? Well, then, what have you been listening to? Uh, you know, I, I'll plug this. I recently checked out this podcast, Prehype, and they had the Mischief founder, which Mis- Mischief is a brand that's all about the drops and, and creating almost troll-like experiences to the best to describe it. Just a, a, a very interesting brand phenomenon. And that Prehype episode was really cool to talk about their strategy for creating buzz around content and drops and that sort of thing also if you check out our website every if you go to our squads page we have like a what, what are we listening to right now um section so i always try to keep that up up to date um i made a playlist this weekend that was all post disco 80s boogie stuff from my childhood so check that out too Ooh, i think i saw you post that i need to i need to save that rick I think I typically say what my children are listening to because that's what's always on our Spotify. Mm-hmm. They've recently watched The Greatest Showman and couple that Great with, soundtrack. with the movie The Descendants and Zombies. All three are human Disney movies and they're remarkable soundtracks. They're always in my head. Uh, Descendants is about the um, the villain kids. So like the, the, the Disney villains have kids and it's their story. And it's basically the Hamilton of Disney, uh, the Hamilton of, of kids. It, it's phenomenal. So those three soundtracks are always in my head. Mm. Disney, the community. Come yeah. on. Jeez. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the way these kids can navigate Disney Plus is remarkable. <laughs> they know everything about Disney Plus. Is <sighs> oh, the, yeah. Disney, the community. Start them young, right? And they have the Star Wars community and the Marvel community. And the, and the e- Sesame Street and the community, ESPN, too. And the ESPN community. Like, that is... Maybe Genius. we have all been part of communities since at such a young age. We just sometimes don't think about the kids and the communities they're part of. Those they are loyalists. They are loyalists that will take that for the rest of their life. Po- Pokemon, you know, know that, that's yeah. huge. I mean, I feel like I'm part of that just by proxy with yeah. Jasper. You know, <laughs> I've been listening to. Um, I love the podcast um, Armchair Expert with Dag Shepard. He just did interview with Obama, which was great uh, because he's very casual in his podcast so being very casual with Obama was just a really awesome thing to watch and then his wife Kristen Bell they started uh, she started a podcast with someone that started as their babysitter became her assistant and like pretty much like executive assistant and then became the producer of like both of their podcasts and like co-hosts both of their podcasts with them she started a podcast called Shattered Glass with her whose name is Monica on the same day they interviewed Barack Obama they also interviewed Oprah and I listened to both of them back to back, and it was just a really great two hours of content. If you ever have a chance Bo- to sit down, and listen bonus to topic: 
Yeah. You're talking about Dax and Kristen. Yeah. Reese Witherspoon's, what's it called, Hello Sunshine? What's her? Yes. Just got valued or bought or invested in at a billion dollar valuation. So let's talk about community for a moment. She makes podcasts and has media and took, I think the number might be wrong, but it's extraordinary. And everyone's questioning like, what, what is there really? It's just Reese. I think what they're missing is it's Reese yeah. with a community of loyalists. Yes. A huge community. Huge I'm community. a Reese loyalist. Love Reese. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to start a Slack channel that will help us navigate all of these podcasts and, and, we, can, and we can monetize that. I'll write you your first check. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thank you guys for being here with me today. Thank you, Jojo. Of course. It was a pleasure. Oh. It's, it's always a pleasure to be in this room. Good. I'm glad. I'm, it makes me happy that you guys are happy to be in this room. Um, and to everyone else out there, thank you and keep on listening. If you like what you heard, make sure to subscribe and leave a comment or like, rate us, share us on iTunes and Spotify. And if there are any topics you've overheard and would be interested to hear us unpack, drop us a line. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And as always, keep on listening.